0: It's starting right now. Suns out, guns out on three. Gold, heavyweight, gold, gold heavyweight. Look
1: at this. Uh-oh. Oh, my Lord. Intercepted.
0: Game clincher. Touchdown, Auburn. Put this one in the books.
1: It's been all
2: Razorbacks. Intercepted at the 48. can hit my grind so
1: contagious. i see everything I'm can win it from 29. Never die. Oklahoma survived Drew Pine off the bench. The all time winningest coach in Notre Dame
2: history. And we will go to overtime. Hods, miraculously.
1: Fourth down for the ballgame. Incomplete, they answer the opportunity. It's been a long time since we've been in a situation like this.
2: what a wild ride it's been hello everybody happy to have you with us for college football live with joey galloway and greg mcelroy i'm wendy nix as we make our way through this last week of september we look at how it started and how it's going remember the preseason polls well they look like this just in case my how things have changed now let's take a look at this week's college football rankings brought to you by at&t 5g Oregon, Penn State, and Iowa all in the top five, while Arkansas was the big mover this week, going up eight spots to number eight. Taking a look at notable storylines, after a month of play, Clemson has dropped out of the top 10. That's the first time in almost six years, ending the third longest streak in the AP poll era. The Tigers fell to 25th after that NC State loss. How about a positive surprise? Arkansas, 4-0 for the first time since 2003. The Razorbacks Razorbacks rank eighth in the AP poll after not receiving any votes in the preseason poll thanks to wins over Texas and Texas A&M. Oregon and Penn State both rank in the top four of the poll after starting the season outside the top ten. The Ducks moved up with that big win at Ohio State, while the Nittany Lions have ranked wins over Wisconsin and Auburn. And how about this? 25 AP-ranked teams have already lost this season, the most through the first four weeks of the season ever. 13 AP-ranked teams have lost to unranked foes this year, the second most through four weeks all time. And, Greg, I'll start with you. Why are we seeing this turnover?
0: Well, it's a combination of a lot of things, Wendy, but I would start with the transfer portal. That's probably number one. There have been teams that have already addressed needs and fortified some depth in places that they've never been able to fortify depth before. You see a team like Arkansas, they went out and they got a transfer. Just using one as an example, his name's John Ridgway. He plays nose tackle, he's from Illinois State. That guy's a game wrecker. I'm not saying he single-handedly beat Texas, but I'm saying he was a big reason why. Back in the day, prior to the one-time transfer without penalty, prior to the transfer portal, he would have still been at Illinois State and would have had to have sit out a year before making an impact at Arkansas. So Arkansas would have had to rely on a true freshman. So uh, I think the transfer portal has been huge. And second thing, Probably the impact of super seniors. We see teams like Wake Forest, we see teams like Michigan State that have relied not on fifth year players, but sixth year players, seventh year players, and sometimes. So I think some of those guys with that veteran presence and some of the young players that have come in via the portal, uh, it's made for some pretty special recipes for a lot of teams. Look,
2: that veteran leadership matters, whatever level, whatever the level you're playing. And and Joey, I will ask you this: When you see some of these different names at the top of that leaderboard, which in our case is the AP poll, you know, Clemson fans might disagree. But is this good overall for college football?
1: I think it's great, and I think it's it's accomplishing sort of what we're talking about. We'll get into later about expanding the playoff, letting more people get involved in this thing. It's sort of happening this season when we only still are at four teams getting. But the fact that Penn State, Iowa, Arkansas is now, you know, snipping at the heels, this makes it fun. A lot of people think guys like Greg, guys like myself, are rooting for certain teams and certain conferences to to get more teams in. No, our job is way more fun, way more enjoyable, gives us a lot more to talk about (laughs) when we have a team in the Pac-12 or the Big 12, Big 10. we got a Cincinnati out of the American This is great for college football, absolutely great for me and Greg so we get more stuff to talk about, but it's going to be fun to see what happens down the stretch. All these teams, like the Arkansas, you know, Cincinnati's going to play Notre Dame, Arkansas has to still go play Georgia, still has to get through Alabama. And so it's going to be a lot of fun to see if these teams deserve to be where they're ranked right now, but right now it has opened up a a much larger conversation about which one of these teams deserves to be in the playoff later on.
2: I love it. I love the fact that Friday is October 1st, and we're still talking about this many teams and not this many teams as we look toward the end of the season and the postseason. Again, I mentioned Clemson. Obviously, a different situation for the Tigers, who were used to being at the very top. Here's what Davo Sweeney had to say today.
0: Oh, man, ain't, there ain't no funeral around here. We're all right. Uh, we'll be just fine. I know what the problems are. Like I said, sometimes to make progress, you got to go backwards. And... <laughs> You know, we're not going to make progress if we don't get better fundamentally. We're not going to make progress if we don't have more discipline. It's not that far, as I say, from the penthouse to the outhouse, and it ain't that far from the outhouse to penthouse.
2: Here's my question, Greg. You know, we talked about Trevor Lawrence and repeatedly said that this kid was a generational-type talent. And then we also said in the same breath, Clemson won't miss a beat or they'll miss very little. You know, were the expectations too high for Clemson, given what they lost, no matter who was taking over at quarterback?
0: Yeah, probably. And I I think it wasn't just Trevor Lawrence. I think it was Travis Etienne. Uh, I think that there was a presence at wide receiver that's not there right now. I think that there's an awful lot on this Clemson team that has really kind of faced some adversity that they haven't seen in the past. They've also lost two of their best interior defensive linemen for the season. Brian Brzee is now out with a knee injury. We saw Davis out with the biceps. So they've had some adversity that they're not really used to. So they've kind of been the product of what's been somewhat difficult circumstances not saying it's excuse, just saying they've been dealt a bad hand and haven't responded as wonderfully as they have in years past. So I think the expectations were probably a little bit too high. But at the same time, Joey, this is a team that has overcome mass departures in the past only to have the same result.
1: And, and it's the past, and where they set the bar is why we've expected them to continue to roll. Uh, we expect it out of Alabama every single season, no matter who leaves. We expect it out of Ohio State, no matter who leaves. We expect it out of teams like Clemson, no matter who leaves. We expect these teams to continue to roll, and it's because they set the bar that high in what they've been able to do. When it doesn't look the same, we're all shaking our heads like, what happened? What's going on here?
2: Listen, we're going to talk about the teams who have exceeded expectations. I don't, I don't want to shortchange that group, but I do want to ask you, Joey, since it looks like in that preseason poll, at least, there were some missed calls. Uh, the teams who haven't, who sort of fallen short of the initial expectations, which one stands out the most to you?
1: For, there's always missed calls in that preseason poll, which is why I don't get involved. When we start having these discussions, where should these teams be ranked? You will never see me come out with a preseason poll because I'm smarter than to jump in there because we don't really know. We're seeing it play out. I do think that Texas A&M was a team that we expected to be a little different at this point in the season. And, And they have a lot of games left. But to see the way they're playing their games, I don't think they're very physical up front uh, on their offensive line. Uh, last season, when Texas and made their move and become you know, one of those teams we expected to be able to deal with in Alabama, possibly this year, it's because they had the ability to run the football. They became a more physical team that could lean on their run game. And so now you have a young quarterback that wasn't your starter in Calzada. He needs that run game to lean on. And he got it going for a Split second against Arkansas and it looked like things were going to change and then they couldn't sustain it until they can do that And then will be a team that I don't think can get over the hump, but that's a team. I expected to be better
0: yeah, they've been disappointing up front especially, but they lost their starting quarterback. So I'm not going to get excuses. I'm just saying how can they be what we thought they'd be if they lost the guy that's pulling the trigger? The team that's most disappointing to me so far is North Carolina. They have like a shell of themselves against Virginia Tech. They looked awful a couple weeks ago and given up a ton of points. Like this is a team that has Sam Howell, everyone thinks, a top five pick. And Mac Brown in year number three, you thought this was the year they were going to contend, not just hit on and knock on the door, but maybe break down that wall. Uh, They've been everything but that, and I think, if anything, they've been surpassed by several teams in the ACC, one of which in Wake Forest, who might actually be the team to beat in the ACC as a whole.
2: Yeah, It hasn't been the Tar Heels year. There's no question about that. Is Michigan for real, Greg?
0: I'm buying at this point, but I think this is a huge week. If Michigan can withstand the test against Wisconsin. Look, Rutgers kind of had the secret sauce last week in the second half. If Michigan can't run it, can they still be effective offensively? In the second half, they didn't run it very well. Therefore, the offense sputtered. This week, Ramp that Rutgers degree of difficulty times 10. Wisconsin, albeit having their own fair share of issues offensively with Graham Mertz, his turnover issues and their inconsistencies on that side of the football, they are really good on the defense side. You're not going to be able to run it down their throat. So if Michigan can't hit the curveball and start moving the ball more efficiently through the air, Joey, they might have some issues against a Wisconsin team this weekend that's going to be really upset with how things went last week against Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, Michigan is for real better than they have been in past seasons. Now, whether they can win the Big Ten East and, and win the Big Ten overall, we won't know that until they get into a schedule. They haven't played anybody really up till now, but when you look at this Michigan team and look at what they have ahead of them, so you have Wisconsin, and then you look a couple weeks back and you have a Michigan State team that's playing a lot better, Penn State and Ohio State at the back end of that schedule. This offense now, they have a better ability to run the ball, but more importantly for Michigan is their ability to go downfield with the ball and make some plays. And we'll see if that's something they've just done against lesser competition or if they're actually better at doing that as they get into uh, better games. We'll find out this weekend against a Wisconsin team. But when you watch them now, they look like a more confident football team in what they're trying to accomplish. We'll just see if they can sustain it
2: and november 27th michigan fans horse they yeah, have that one circuit on the counter that's almost a season in a game all right guys still to come on college football live sooner's or the field we'll get the guys to tell us who they think could be the biggest comp- competitor for oklahoma in the big 12 and playoff expansion on hold but discussions still going forward our heather denitsch joins us she'll tell us what's being discussed in today's closed door meeting
1: College Football Live is brought to you by Taco Bell.
2: Tough week for Big 12 favorites, Oklahoma and Iowa State. Spencer Rattler was booed by the Sooner home fans and needed a field goal as time expired to escape West Virginia to remain undefeated. Meanwhile, early season favorite Iowa State lost their Big 12 opener to the now 4-0 Baylor Bears. That win puts Baylor atop the Big 12 at 2-0 in conference play while the Oklahoma schools and Texas follow at 1-0. Biggest threat, Joey, to Oklahoma in the Big 12.
1: I'm gonna go with Texas now. I start off with Iowa State to begin the season, which again, let you know how much we don't know. I thought that Iowa State, with, with what they were bringing back with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall, they were the biggest threat. But now we're you know, a midway through the season. I'm going with Texas. Casey Thompson, the quarterback, has made their offense different. Uh, B. John Robinson, one of the best backs in the country, with his ability to run the ball and catch the ball, the big playability, and their scoring points. And, and we know Big 12 football, which has looked different this season uh, in a lot of games. hasn't been the 60 to 65 games we, we're accustomed to seeing out of the Big 12. But Texas is becoming uh, that team that can put up those kind of points. So I would still look at Texas as that team. But when you look on the back end of Oklahoma's schedule, uh, if, if Iowa State gets things together, uh, you know Oklahoma State, Baylor, on the, you know, at the end of that schedule could be an issue. But right now, I'll take Texas.
0: If Texas played like they played last week, they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, that was a team that came out and really imposed their will from start to finish. Now, defensively, they got some things to tie up for sure, but that was an impressive and dominant performance against a Texas Tech team that a lot of people thought had a legitimate chance there in Austin. I think Texas is the team, Joey, and I think a lot of us are going to draw conclusions based on what they did against Arkansas, but the reality is that Arkansas is a totally different team than any team that Texas is going to see in the Big 12. The team that most closely resembles Arkansas is Iowa State. However, Iowa State, along the line of screen, not as good as what Arkansas currently employs along the line of scrimmage so I do think that this Texas team is built to win at this point in the Big 12 against teams that are maybe a little bit rely a little bit more on athleticism and not as much on power so I think Texas has a real chance of, of creating some problems for some teams as long as their quarterback Casey Thompson being the guy right now is smart with the football and continues to make good decisions.
2: We talked about some of these other names being involved, being good for college football. College football also better off when Texas is in the mix. So uh, we'll see. Speaking of we'll see, it's going to be a little more wait and see after college football power brokers met today in Chicago. There were discussions talking about playoff expansion. The thing is, though, we were originally scheduled today for a vote. That was postponed The hope, though, that there could be some kind of framework coming out of these meetings that could eventually lead to playoff expansion. Taking a look now, the proposal for a 12-team playoff model was presented back on June 10th, but plenty, of course, has changed since then across the college football landscape. Texas and Oklahoma headed to the SEC in 2025. Four other schools then joining the Big 12. Our college football playoff reporter Heather Denich joins us now. And Heather, uh, a lot to talk about given what was supposed to happen, what has happened. Where are we and what took place in these meetings today?
3: Well, Wendy, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bosby actually popped in the media room here and said, we're going to be a while. They have a lot to talk about, and while there is a lot of positivity and the general sense is that they are going to ultimately wind up at a 12-team playoff at some point, what they're talking about today are the obstacles, which are plenty. The academic calendar, how a postseason with 12 teams would conflict with final exams, if it's possible, and it is that they play a 17th game – the health and welfare of the student athletes, although that's a remote possibility. The bowl games, particularly the Rose Bowl, which wants to cling to its media rights in that January 1 time slot. And Wendy, of course, at the heart of these conversations is a TV contract. A source told me that all 11 people, the 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick, want to open this up to multiple TV partners. If they do that before the end of this
2: 12-year contract, ESPN would have to agree to it. Always about the money, Heather. That's just kind of the way it works out. Any any timeline here for a resolution? Well, look, like I said, Notre Dame Athletic
3: Director Jack Swarbrick told me that he believes the playoff is going to expand. When and what it looks like is what they're trying to hash out. The earliest possible date technically is 2023, but we're pushing up against that border right now. So the more realistic scenario, if it were to happen before the end of this contract, is the 2024-25 season. Again, the TV contracts are at the heart of these discussions, and whether or not they can open it up to multiple um, broadcast partners is part of that, ESPN, and whether or not they can negotiate some type of agreement.
2: Greg, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, I agree with Heather, and and we'll likely get there, uh, but there's been holdups, and there are a lot of hoops to jump through. What's your take?
0: Well, if I was a conference commissioner from the Big Ten, the SEC, the Pac-12, and the ACC, my biggest holdup would be whether or not we have six automatic qualifiers. When they initially proposed an expanded playoff field, they said, "Well, we're going to go to 8 and we're going to give the Power 5s, every single conference champion gets an automatic bid to the playoff. And then we'll give the top group of 5 team a bid to the playoff as well." Well, right now, the American and the Big 12, as far as the quality at the top is for the most part indecipherable, assuming when Texas and Oklahoma eventually end up in the SEC. So, my biggest pushback if I were a conference commissioner, if you're going to 8 teams, we're not doing 6 automatic qualifiers. If we We want six automatic qualifiers, we're going to 12 teams at a bare minimum. So that would be my biggest holdup at this point, because not all conferences are created equal, therefore not every conference that considers themselves a, quote, power five conference, not every single one should be granted that automatic qualifier status.
3: Well, I can tell you guys this, that there is consideration amongst some commissioners for an eight-team playoff, but it's not gaining a lot of traction, and sources have told me that Notre Dame and the SEC are not going to vote in favor of an eight-team playoff if it has automatic qualifiers, and obviously, a group of five university presidents are not going to vote for a system
2: that doesn't give their conference champion an automatic guarantee. Joey, listen, I know what you previously thought. Do you still think 12 is too many?
1: I do. I I don't see uh, the problem here with eight. I really don't see the problem here with six. Uh, And and I think that we're in a time frame right now where uh, the Big 12 is obviously trying to figure it out. But we are never uh, at a time frame where conferences are equal. Uh, You know, Ohio State's been the best team in the Big Ten. Clemson's been the best team in the ACC. Alabama's been the best team in the SEC with a mix of LSU getting there, uh, Georgia getting in, the Big 12 with Oklahoma. So I don't ever think we've been across the board had equal conferences to say that, you know, these guys deserve to be a power five versus this conference not. I like getting the conference champions in regardless of what we think would happen because we have these arguments at the end of every single season where last season I believe that a team like Cincinnati could absolutely compete with the power five teams. We're going to have these discussions every single every single year where we don't know if a Pac-12 champ could compete with a Big Ten champ. Let's put them in the playoff and let's find out.
2: Listen, we're just four people with opinions. It's easy to see why these meetings take a while. Heather, uh, we hope you get out of there at some point tonight, and appreciate you joining us. Also on College Football Live, what a wild ride it's been. The first month of the season has not disappointed. There have been some surprises. Joey and Greg weigh in the biggest surprises of the season so far. <laughs>
1: College Football Live is brought to you by. Goodyear. Discover the possibilities. Goodyear more driven.
2: Here now this week's ultimate performance presented by BMW Fresno State's Jake Hayner passed for 378 yards five touchdowns four coming in the second half as they rallied from a 12 point deficit to defeat UNLV 38-30. to 30. Good job, Jake Hayner. Also, C.J. Stroud, the Buckeyes' choice for quarterback if he's healthy against Rutgers. We'll see you tomorrow, 4.30 Eastern, right here on ESPN2.